Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Earlier in the week, you said that uh, there wasn't a change in preparation, but was there a change in attitude, especially after some of you guys said maybe there was some overconfidence going to the same team? Mm. I don't know. I just guess uh, I think we maybe tried to show that we cared a little bit more tonight. Obviously, you cared last week, but did it, you feel like it looked like you didn't last week? Is that kind of what you're implying? What do you mean? How do you take that? <laughs> I just think people like to say a lot, and it's nice to come back in here after a game like that. Aaron, because you mentioned it, did, did the national conversation irk you over the past week? Did it, did it bother you? Obviously, you were aware of what was being said about caring. I'm aware of it because of, of Tom. Tom keeps me aware of these things. I know that's only my first reference to him, but um, I, I think that there's there's even more now than when I started playing. There's so many overreactions that happen on a week-to-week basis. So it's nice to to come out and have a good performance and get the trolls off our back for at least a week. All right, Mike. You see the headline right there. No surprises. Rodgers returns to MVP form. Packers reemerge after a week Apparently, after a week of not being Super Bowl contenders, they come back this week. I mean, you know, just a week ago, they lost to the Saints. And, I, I, you know, 0-1, I guess, pushed them out of the Super Bowl conversation. And now at 1-1, they're right back in it. But, Mike, okay, this has been very difficult for me. It's been a difficult morning, difficult afternoon. Uh, I have to face the music, face the camera, and virtually face you. This is hard for me to say. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it once. Michael Smith, you were right. Michael Smith, you were right the entire time about Aaron Rodgers. I know you're shrugging saying I'm always right, but you're not always right. But in this case, you were right. You You (laughs) stop it. Stop it. The entire Aaron Rodgers conversation. You had it. You were tracking it the entire time. If, 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 if the brother was on the street corner playing the shell game saying, do you see where it is? Do you see where it is? Do you see where it is? You knew where the ball was under the shell the entire time. You, didn't, you were not confused. You continued to say about Aaron Rodgers that the Packers should do nothing, that Aaron Rodgers was going to play football in the 2021 season. And the reason you gave, oh, this is deep. The reason you gave was football players play on Sunday and sometimes on Monday. So Aaron Rodgers, even though he has the ability, even though he has the ability to host a game show, even though he has the ability to put on a killer commercial or two, he doesn't do anything professionally better than Going roundabout Green Bay, Appleton, Oshkosh, 
uh, and, and facing the Detroit Lions and slicing them up. That's just what he does. He does it at home, does it on the road. He's a quarterback, and we should have known better. We should have bleeping known better that this conversation went left, went right, it went low, it went high. It should have just stayed on the same track. Aaron Rodgers, MVP football player, championship football player, competitive athlete, was going to return to the Green Bay Packers. So I just want to give you your props today. But before I give it back to you, or before I give it to you, I do want to say just parenthetically that sometimes talented people, from what I've, I've observed, not speaking from my own experience, but just watching, you know, just watching talented people, talented people, extremely talented people, have this little quirk, have this little thing that they do. And, and, and they want you to know, they want you to know that what you praise them for doing is not the only thing that they can do. So if you say to Aaron Rodgers, man, I really love watching you sling a football. Man, you are so great. I've had some great moments watching you. I remember that great Super Bowl run you went on, that one Super Bowl you were in. You were awesome. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm not just a football player. Oh, I, I, I didn't say that, bro. I didn't say that. I know you can do other things. It's like it, they always want to let you know. And it happens in, in sports and it happens in, in movies. Like actors want to tell you if they're funny, they want to let you know that they're serious too. And, and, and you know, they, they design clothes and, and you know, they have intelligence and it's not just entertainment. We got it. So Aaron Rodgers, I hope in this offseason, you learn that we respect the whole Aaron Rodgers. We, we, we respect the whole person. But what we really want to see you do is do what you did last night. So, Mike, uh, you finally got one. A broken clock, a blind squirrel, and Mike Smith. Nice I read try. that somewhere. Not, not, yeah, nice try. Um, I'm smiling because um, I think Chris Rock's best feature film, his best movie is Top 5. So when you're saying... Uh, Com uh, comedic actors want to be taken seriously. I was thinking about Hammy the Bear, Andre Allen and Hammy the Bear. Uh, speaking of Chris Rock, uh, Chris Rock, uh, there's a lot of people uh, today looking at Aaron Rodgers and the Packers performance last night and basically channeling their inner Chris Rock and saying, what you want, a cookie? You know, you, know, you, don't, you didn't go to jail, you take care of your kids. You beat the Lions. You want a cookie for beating the Lions, you know, um, because that's what they do. They beat up on the Lions. And again, they're the Lions. It was the Lions at home. It was supposed to be a homecoming game of sorts. The first half didn't go that way, but it was supposed to be something of a homecoming game where, you know, you want to get right, play the Lions in, on, on, uh, on Monday night. That was going to be the formula. Um, but I want to focus on, on Rodgers and, and the sound that we just heard. What do you think about him uh, talking about uh, the BS uh, and the trolls and, and, the, and him sarcastically alluding to, well, we want to show we cared. Uh, we did that tonight. Yeah. What did you think about what he had to I say we heard off the top? Yeah, I, I think, uh, look, if that were just a media, com media commentary, you'd say, come on, Aaron. But I think that commentary was directed. I think that was, that was for Jermichael Finley. You know, if, if you're sitting there in a the congregation, you say, that's for me, that's for me. This, this is for me. That's a word for me. Because Jermichael Finley, who played with the Packers for six years, was, was convinced that Aaron Rodgers, based on the look in his eyes, 
didn't care anymore, doesn't have that hunger, doesn't have that fire, and that, that he's lost it. So I, I think it's one thing when professional athletes hear it from media members who are just like you and me. You know, my, my athletic career went a little bit further than yours, but um, uh, mem- media members like us who didn't really play at the highest level, that's easy to dismiss. But if it's somebody who shared a huddle with you and is talking with that much authority, yeah, I think it gets under your skin. He, he could have been addressing uh, the CBS pregame show. Um, and that too. You know, he could have been talking about Cowher and Burleson and, and, uh, and Boomer and, and Sims and those, and those guys. Um, I'll say this for Aaron Rodgers. Like, I, I appreciate his sarcasm. I appreciated what he had to say last night for a couple of reasons. One, going back to the Lions. Yeah, it's the Lions, but that's who's on the schedule. And they did what they had to do. Right. Was it easy? Right. No. Credit the Lions for being spunky. Okay. Um, credit them for fighting. Credit them for biting kneecaps if necessary. Okay. Credit. I was, you know, I was so ready after the first half, Michael. I was preparing myself to have a conversation about your man Jared Goff, who I know you always felt like got a raw deal. Yeah. And got a raw deal. The Rams yeah. upgraded, which I subscribe to. Uh, I know you felt like, you know, that wasn't that wasn't fair to Jared Goff, but I digress. Um, they did what they had to do. They played who was on their schedule. They can't the, the Lions problems aren't their problems. So that's one. Two, um, it was an overreaction. And frankly, it was insulting to suggest that somehow Aaron Rodgers didn't care. Like he was just out there. You know, I, I think even Michael Irvin said something to the effect of, uh, you know, if you're thinking about retirement, you're already retired. So I'm like, oh, I guess is it like divorce? Because they say that about marriage. If you're talking about divorce, then you're already divorced, right? It's like, that's it, not it, true. Is that what it's like? Which, and by the way, again, that's ridiculous. Far be it for me to tell, far be it for me to tell Michael Irvin how athletes think, or I have no idea what, the, what that's like to contemplate retirement, but I got to well, believe, is he. like... Frankly, neither does he. He knows how he thought, well, but I and he knows believe. how... Like, I mean, come on. But I got to believe that Aaron Rodgers, I know that Aaron Rodgers is not the first player to think about walking away only to give it one more run, you know, and to suggest that Aaron Rodgers in particular would not only show up and half acid and somehow there were, there were all sorts of conspiracy theories being thrown like, like Aaron Rodgers was, was, was tanking it or he was trying to, you know, stick it to the Packers by yeah. sucking, you know what I mean? And just like make their yeah, life right. miserable. It was just That's ridiculous that Aaron Rodgers would somehow show up to work yeah. and not give his best. He got nothing, and furthermore, he got nothing better to do and, to go out there and suck. And, yeah. And furthermore, infect the locker room with his ambivalence. You know, it was like, like, come on, man. Like, like, what are we talking about here? It was all of it was overreaction. Um, and the last thing I'll say before I give it back to you is this. If the score would have been reversed in week one, who cares in the grand scheme of things? If they would have beaten the brakes off of the Saints 38 to 3, I don't know that anybody, at least I wouldn't have, because this overreaction goes both ways, right? It's like you don't want to put too much stock into week one, but by the same token, you know, you want to recognize it for what it is. And I, I get that they set off the alarm bells by, I think Devontae Adams said, hey, it was a wake-up call. Even Rodgers suggested that they were low energy. Like I said, I think they were reaching right. for reasons because that he had never suffered a loss like that before um, right. or play a, a, a game quite as funky as that one. But my point in saying that no matter what would have happened in week one, 
they don't have to go 13 and three again. I don't matter of fact, I don't want to see the Packers go 13 and three again. For God's sake, please don't go 13 and three again. 13 and four. Oh, 13 and four. You're right. Come see, on. I told you it was going to take man. a while Come on. for that to register. Damn. Oh, I hate 17. I hate odd numbers. I, I have I have my thermostat on an even number. I pump my gas to an even number, even at the risk of it overflowing. I have my volume on an even number. I hate odd numbers. Anyway, 13. Don't go 13 and four or 14 and three. I'm just saying don't be good wire wire for the most part. The, the, it would be in the Packers best interest to peak at the right time. And here's my thing. Here's the bottom line, Michael. If Aaron Rodgers gets in the playoffs, yeah. and I know he's, he's, the Packers have come up short with Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs before. I know it's no lock, a la Tom Brady, for the most part. I know it's no lock that Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs is going to get you through two, three games into the Super Bowl. I know that. But I'll take my chances. Point being, if they go 10-7 and seven or 11-6 and six or whatever the hell the new math is with this schedule, <laughs> They're still the best team in the NFC North. I still rather be the Packers right now than the rest of the NFC right. North. And if you get Aaron Rodgers yeah, in the playoffs, no, no question. I think you yes. gotta like those chances. You gotta like those odds. Look, Mike, I just want to say this too uh, on this Aaron Rodgers situation and the overreactions that have come with it. All right, what we're really talking about? Why? Why? why this, this is the reason we're all kind of projecting. Some some people are projecting on Aaron Rodgers. Some people are. Hey, I played with him. I know him a little bit. So I'm going to give you a little bit of insight from what I know about Aaron Rodgers. And I'm going to add a, a lot more because I played with him five years ago. Haven't talked to him in two years. But, you know, based on all of that calculus, this is what I think is happening. And a lot of it is close and a lot of it is total BS, as Aaron Rodgers said. But really, what people are responding to is a power slash contract dispute. Right? It is a it is a fight for hmm. power. It is it is an employee, so the off, a well-paid employee, that the, the best paid employee that the Green Bay Packers have. Right? Go when ahead. you say people, when you say people, are you talking about media or are you talking about fans media. or all of the above? Media. Okay. Media, okay. Fair fans. enough. Uh, uh, well, yeah. I, I, well, yeah, I, I, I would distinguish between media and fans. I would distinguish between media and fans, and here's why. why. Don't lose your train of thought. But here's why. why. I won't. I got it. I'm there. Media members, and I, you know, I don't want to overstate this by any means, but media members are go ahead and do it. I'm going to gonna take your overstatement. I'm going to take your overstatement. I'm going to raise it. I'm just, I'm just warning you right now that whatever you go say, media I'm going to raise it. <laughs> what do I'm going to say? Media members are are closer to being able to relate to the plight of professional athletes than your everyday average ordinary Joe or Joanne is. Okay. And by that I mean, okay. okay, not only are we closer to it, but we are speaking from pretty privileged position. Because I yes. think if you look at the general dynamics of athlete, specifically black athlete, but athlete in general, but athlete versus team, I found, and I'm sure there are exceptions, but I found it for the most part, the average person sides with management ironically because they look at it yeah. as look yeah. how much money you're getting yeah. paid to play a game yeah. whereas I'm getting paid yeah. scraps to actually work for a living because it's all relative so those right. millions and and the privilege that comes being a professional athlete is relative to the everyday person who is you know grinding from sun up to sundown just to make ends meet right. again ironically right. they side with management even though 
they're getting screwed, you know, in their own way on their jobs, you know, on their nine to fives every day. So I, that's why I would say if you're talking about people looking at this as a power struggle and, and, and processing this through that prism, I would say that I don't think fans or I think I think fans, especially Packers well, fans, for the most part, Packers fans are going to root for the laundry regardless. You know, if I may speak right. for them, uh, fans in general typically don't side with athletes in power struggle, power struggles, hence the whole spoiled athlete narrative. Media members, yeah, we, we would like to think we see ourselves as best we can in a power struggle between, you know, I want to have a bigger voice in my destiny with the bosses because we kind of like to think of ourselves as more important than we are. You know, we like to think of ourselves right. as, well, as stars, as faces of franchises, if you will. And so when it doesn't go our way, we're like, yeah, you know what? I, I see where Aaron's coming from because I can relate to that. Like, okay, sure. Well, does that make see, sense? Mike, and, and, and no, no, it makes all the sense in the world because it, it really connects to what I was going to say. And I, I'll get to the fans in a second and their perspective. But I like the way you, you phrase it. Okay, media members. So let's make that distinction between media members, especially those who used to play professional football. So the Jermichael Finley's uh, Michael Irvin's. Oh, definitely. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, any kind of, any of these guys, right? What just really blows my mind is what we're talking about with Aaron Rodgers is a power struggle and a contract dispute. There's there's an employee highly paid employee who wants more of a voice who is demanding more of a voice in his organization at the tail end of his career. He's uh, he's closer to 40 than he is to 30 and he hasn't been to the Super Bowl in 10 years. And he wants to take control of his career and he wants to make sure that the people around him are meeting his level. So far, I haven't told a lie yet. So if you think about that situation and you've been in professional athletics, how do you then turn around and say there's a problem with Aaron Rodgers? I think any mm. professional athlete who's got some guts can relate to that. Now, if you just go uh, walk up and you're going to assume that management is always right and you're just here and they sign the checks and the checks don't bounce and you don't care and that's all you're just going to come in. You're going to punch the clock. You're going to do your job. This conversation is not for you. I'm talking about those who say I've been in this game long enough. I was quiet my first yeah. five to seven years. I did what they asked yeah. me to do, but now I, I can see the horizon. Yeah. I, I can touch it. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I can actually reach the horizon. And I'm just not going to stand for any old, you know, just simple stuff See, that they do. So, so you're talking about projections. I, I'm on, how do these people, but I'm saying that that's what is happening with Aaron Rodgers. That's not my story because I can't relate to that. But Aaron Rodgers is doing yeah. that. That's really what he's saying. And I, I just want to understand why people would take that for, how do you get, how do you get Aaron Rodgers doesn't care. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have hunger from what I just said, if anything, it's the opposite. It's because of his passion. I'll tell it's you where because of from. his investment in the Packers. That puts him in this position. Facts to suit theories instead of theories to suit facts. Okay. Um, so mm -hmm. in other words, the projection in my mind comes from people who are predisposed to being pro or anti Rogers. You know, there, there's no, uh, you know, the middle ground is not a very highly populated place in media. All right. And so take it from me. I know. Um, so 
I think Aaron <laughs> Rodgers has he's made he's rubbed people the wrong way over the years. Nobody questions his brilliance. Nobody questions his talent. He's rubbed people the wrong way over the years. He's, I dare I say he's got a lot of enemies in media, both in terms of wow. you know traditional media and athlete turned media. So I think the way he went about things this off season, those people dare I say it were predisposed to disagreeing with him. The people that already just didn't like him, just thought he, you know, thought he, uh, you know, thought too highly of himself or thought he was a little too smug or too big for his britches, however you want to phrase it. Um, and I think right. the pro Rogers crowd was more likely uh, or pro athlete crowd, not professional athlete, but pro as in, you know, athlete supportive crowd uh, cool. was more likely yeah, to right. take his side in the few. So then they go out, they lay this egg week one. Immediately, you're gonna to point to, oh, see, he ain't all the way in. He thought about retiring. He ain't all the way in. See, look, 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 go, look at your golden boy. Is this your king? What kind of leader is that? His leadership has always been, a, right. you know, questioned. You know, is it, is it, is this, is this what the, what the franchise quarterback is supposed to be? So you, you talked all that noise, and then now you show up, and that's, and that's what we get. So I think a lot of it was, uh, was carry over from the off season, but not on the inside as much as the outside per our conversation. I think so much of the outside overreaction, commentary, criticism, everything that transpired post 38 to 3 versus New Orleans and Jacksonville, all right, was a result of pent up aggression from the offseason. Now they go out and beat the Lions, right. and I think some of those same people are like, hey, big deal. What does that prove? Well, nothing, because they can't play a playoff game right now. But like I said, it, we've seen them go 13 and 3 before. I can't wait to only to falter in the NFC Championship game. I prefer they actually peak when it matters. And if they get in the playoffs, I'll, like I said, I'll take my chances. Uh, you know what it proves? Rodgers haters, that he hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. Nothing's changed from last year. Nothing. Nothing. See that touchdown pass, man, in the red zone? In the double cover? The one to time Unbelievable. You. Yeah. Woo! Yes, listen. Woo! Don't nobody do it like him. What? That's for damn sure. What? That's a laser. All right, Mike Smith. Hey, listen. Uh, they call them Woj bombs in the business, and we can see this one coming. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski saying that Ben Simmons, he's done. He's done with the 76ers, hadn't spoken to the team. Since late August, he laid out the plan then. He's sticking to the plan now. Uh, keep my name out your mouth, essentially. If I had to translate it, keep my name out your mouth. Uh, I'm not playing for y'all no more. Trade me. You can find me if you want. You're not going to see me in Philadelphia anymore. Thank you. Goodbye. So, look, Mike, we have, we have had a lot of conversations about Ben Simmons. And, and, you know, it's only fair, Mike, that I have to be consistent here because we just, it, it's funny how it all plays out in the news cycle. We start off talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I give you credit because your position was, hey, what's Aaron Rodgers going to do? He's a, he's a football player. He's under contract in the Green Bay Packers. He's too good to just give away. So he's either going to retire or he's going to play for the Packers. Now, I understand Ben Simmons, his position. He's under contract with the 76ers. They can find him. They can mess with his money. He gets half of his contract before October 1st. So I just know, I don't know if he's married or not. If he were married, this would be a different conversation at the kitchen table. You know, you know that's true, and I know it's true, too. 
<laughs> like, wait a minute. Hold on. You're not going to do what? What? How much money? Uh, before October 1st? Well, you may need to reconsider that. But his money, half of his money is on the line is due to him in, in, in less than three weeks. And he doesn't want the organization. I understand how he feels, but as a power move, I kind of think he's powerless. I'm on his side, but when it comes down to strategy, when it comes down to action items, Mike, I think he's really, he's on Philadelphia's program, whether, whether he's talking to them or not, they control his future. So you're saying it's an idle threat on the part of Ben Simmons. Is that what you're it's saying? Too, it's too less. Is that his wife right there or girlfriend? I don't know. Um, but I, I think it's toothless. It doesn't have a lot of bite because I, this is what Philadelphia. So for, for Ben Simmons, his his position is I can sit out, not get paid, not play basketball, or I can report to Philadelphia and see what they work out for me because they don't want me there. I don't want to be there and they don't want me there. Philadelphia yeah. can say, yeah, we can listen to Ben. We can listen to him. And, and and try to trade him or we can call his bluff because nothing, there's nothing he can do. I I, I still think they, they hold the hammer. They hold the hammer. They much rather have Ben Simmons, but they can they are more prepared to move on without him than he is to move on without them. Yeah, I disagree. A uh, couple of things. So Mark Stein. Oh, yeah? Okay. Uh, he he says that he was told very clearly that the Sixers do not liken these circumstances to Al Horford's last season in Oklahoma City or John Walls in Houston. As the start of training camp draws near, Philadelphia has shown zero interest to date in striking the sort of mutual agreement that Wall and the Rockets just hatched to shelve the former All-Star point guard. So in other words, just in terms of housekeeping, they're not going to authorize him to sit out while they work out a trade, even though both sides yeah. want a trade. They're not going to say, all right, you know what, go sit, don't get hurt. We'll call you when we got something. They're not doing that. And and Stein uh, had also reported a couple. Uh, I think it was yesterday even that uh, the Sixers, the Sixers wanted to uh, try to talk him into showing up. That even though the plan was for Simmons to hold out, the Sixers were going to try to change his mind, which is not necessarily new. Um, but we've heard, but we we've heard that the, even at the meeting in August, I think we had, when we had Keith Pompey on. They were going to try to say, hey, why don't you come back? Why don't we want to let bygones be bygones and uh, and try to work this out since we can't find a trade? I think, you know, Michael, um, I have no little to no sympathy for Simmons. OK, OK. Um, and you still feel that way, but I, not in this case. See, so it's like okay. in, 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 in this con I'm talking in this context in the context of yeah. is this the right way to play this Ben Simmons is in the right. Okay, he is in the right in terms of how he's playing this and I don't believe explain this explain that, that to me. Explain he it has to, to submit himself you say that. to Philadelphia that Philadelphia has complete control of his future. Yes, there's a contract and like I said uh, last week, you know, they can pull a Chicago be like I got a contract between me and you that says you do what I say they could do that. Shout out to AJ Johnson rest in peace. Okay, right. Um, Shout out. Even though he was talking to Jamie Foxx in that context, AJ Johnson was in mm -hmm. Players Club. AJ Johnson was in Friday. 
A.J. Johnson was in House Party. A.J. Johnson was in a lot of, uh, lot of movies that you and I grew up on and we enjoyed. Anyway, uh, I grew up on. You were already much, much older than me. Uh, rest in peace, Wrong. brother. Uh, Wrong. Gone too soon. Paying bills. Um, right. So, uh, where was I? Oh, so, yes, there's a contract. Yeah. And yes, they have recourse. Yes, they can fine him. Yes, they can withhold salary. Yes, they can suspend him. If he's willing to do it, and it seems like he's willing to do it, I think that is the move. I completely understand it. I completely support it. I would encourage him to not show up because at this point, it's not his fault. Ben Simmons is who he, he is. He has been who he's been, and he probably is who he's going to be at this point. You know, offseason, summer pickup ball, three-pointers notwithstanding. That's probably who he is, right? Stop hating. This is, is Daryl Morey's fault. And I've said I've been consistent in saying this like the Sixers made this bed. They now have to sleep in it. It is not on Ben Simmons to sleep in this proverbial bed. And in fact, the more Ben Simmons doesn't suck it up and say as as Joel Embiid alluded to doesn't suck it up and say, I'll show you. I've been in the gym. I've been in the lab. You wasn't with me shooting in the gym. I'm coming back with a vengeance to win this town over to take this team to the next level the way I haven't so far the more he doesn't take that approach is the more the Sixers should further know that it's ridiculous to bring him back into this situation he ain't built for it and that's this not is, a criticism that's just a fact well that's a that's okay no, that's everybody ain't built for that, no, that's a that ain't everybody whoa, whoa, whoa. that's just that's just Mike. not who he is Mike, and that's stop okay that. stop that that, no, that's okay. No, that's all no, right. That's disingenuous. Hey, man. That's disingenuous to say. No, it's not. That's not a criticism. Say, bro. Oh, that's a criticism, say, and you there's know certain, it. That is a broad stuff side. I ain't built for. There's certain stuff okay. I ain't built for. Wait. Know thyself, Come on, Mike. Okay, that's fine. This, this that's fine. Some this dude is listen, 25. Michael, you made you spent your whole career in Boston, Michael. You spent your whole career in Boston. Yeah, and you and I both know. That certain dudes ain't meant to pitch for the Boston Red Sox. Okay? Right. Or as I think Bob Ryan wrote okay. one day, some people are just built to pitch on a getaway day in June in San Diego. Okay? Some people ain't <laughs> built to be the ace of the Red Sox. Some people ain't built right. to be to, 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 to thrive under this scrutiny. And that's okay. That's I, I mean it. I'm not being sarcastic. I am okay. I, that's not How long has he been in Philly? I mean it. That's okay. How long has he Too been long, in Philly? If you ask me. Too long. Okay, maybe it's too long, it's, but he's been there out. already. There's no. He's already. There's okay, no. It's no but not under these circumstances. It has bottomed out. Not under these circumstances, All and right. there's no coming back from this. There's no coming back from this. So if you're Ben Simmons, you, on that. you have zero incentive. You have zero incentive to show up and play and wait for your phone to ring when Daryl Morey is good and damn ready to do it. Okay, because at a certain point, if you're Ben Simmons, he's like, you know what, this contract go both ways. You're not honoring the contract because you can trade me when you want. Okay, I'm not your property. I'm, I'm, I'm channeling my inner Ben Simmons now. You've thrown me under the bus. You've put last right. year's shortcomings on me. Now, I'm going to sit up. Now, I got to take control of my own destiny. And what I'm not going to do is show up under these circumstances after Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey and Joel Embiid and everybody else, not to mention media and fans, have showed me how they feel about me. There's nothing left for me in Philadelphia. So I am willing to take the fine. 
take the suspension. What I'm not going to do is come and ball out and just be waiting by the phone, looking over my shoulder, waiting by the phone for somebody to tell me, hey, pack your stuff, you've been shipped out. No, we're going to do this now. Yeah. Ben Simmons is 100% in the right with how he is approaching this situation. Daryl Morey thinks that, we're, that, that the rest of the league is a bunch of idiots because what Daryl Morey is basically trying to say is, hey, I got this depressed asset that is not conducive to our championship aspirations, but he's a 25-year-old all-star, all-defensive all defensive team member, all NBA member, and, and defensive player of the year runner up. So give me four first round picks and two pick swaps and, and an all star player. Like, nah, play, it don't work that way. Daryl Morey is being too greedy. So now Ben Simmons has no recourse. His recourse is to withhold his services and force them to go ahead and find me, do what you got to do, and cut off your nose to spite your face. The best thing is, and would have been a long time ago, for them to work out a trade that gets them 60 or 70 cents on the dollar. Because that's the best you're going to get under these circumstances. But no, Daryl Morey, yeah. Mr. Smartest Person in the Room, believes in winning the trade. He wants to win the trade. He wants to he, he wants to get what he thinks he should get for somebody with Ben Simmons' well, that's resume. What you, that's what you should want to do. ain't a fit in Philly no more. Should you, you should want to do that as a general manager. That's what you should want to do. And, and, win and the you know, trade. But you know what now, you're doing in the meantime? You're losing. You want to win the trade, losing. but Simmons ain't showing up, and now you now you got nothing to show for it. Go make a trade I mean, for somebody that's a better fit for your roster and move on from this toxic situation. But since everybody's things, just man. an asset, two everybody's just a, a an employee number, I guess he doesn't look at it from a from a human or a chemistry standpoint. So I'm with Ben Simmons here. You know, I have not been sympathetic toward the plight of Ben Simmons. Since the playoffs, okay, I missed it. He got to go, and that was before he passed up a dunk. So I, you know how I feel about it. But I can look at this objectively and say, you know what? I'd stay home too. I would stay home too. Go ahead and find me. Well, go ahead and I'll tell you this. What, what more? What can you do to me at this point that ain't been done? You've already, yeah. you've already depressed my value on the trade market. Okay, you throw me under the bus. The entire town is 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 is, is, is turned on me. And again, I got a lot to do with that. I passed up the dunk. I won't shoot. I haven't improved my game over the last few years. That's on me. I get it. But like, okay, so you want to take my money? You want to suspend me? Cool. Look, the squeaky wheel, what is it? The squeaky wheel gets the oil, squeaky wheel gets the grease, whatever one it is. Sometimes. Like, uh, it, or it, it's it, both. It's sometimes it's some get the oil. Listen, hey, sometimes some gets the oil, some kind sometimes of gets replaced. The, but, you, or you know, gets replaced. It does not Sometimes it gets replaced. I don't need this squeaky. And that's the, I don't need the squeaky wheel. Let me just right. get it out of here. It's defective. And Michael, that's the difference between him and Rogers. It does not behoove him to show up and and perform. Rogers, he I, like I always say, like okay, you could just retire if you want. You could just retire, and if that's what you want to do, cool. But you can't. You you should not force them to trade him because the difference is Rogers was, was being welcomed back with open arms. Okay, Rogers was coming off an MVP season. Rodgers has gone 13 and 3 into the NFC Championship game back to back years. To me, that that was that the comparison is only I don't want to be here anymore. But it did not behoove Rodgers to force a trade from an otherwise productive situ situation if the alternative is retiring at the peak of your powers. Ben Simmons is not Aaron Rodgers, and Ben Simmons' situation is untenable, whereas Rodgers and the Packers was not. Ben Simmons, they, they, they cannot continue down this path. They got to move on from each other. And the only person who doesn't seem to realize that is Daryl Morey. You want to talk him into coming back? 
please, man, come on. Like that, that ship is sailed. Well, too late a couple, that. a couple things here, a couple things here, a couple things here, Gary. Uh, if you can put that uh, points bet graphic up with teams likely to acquire Ben Simmons next, and as you put that up, I'm going to say this: this is the ultimate modern management dilemma. Modern professional management. Once again, we're not talking about uh, everyday life. We're talking about professional sports, where the profe- where, where the where the employees sometimes, well, not sometimes, often make more than their employers in middle management and upper management, and the employees can tell their bosses, "Hey, what I'm not going to do is fill in the blank." That's one ultimate dilemma like what do you do what do you do in this situation it's fascinating to see what what figures uh, how they figure this out and once they figure it out uh they're going to be case studies at harvard business school and stanford business school and michigan all the top business schools in the world how you figure out the situation but this is what i want to say on this list there's an intriguing name and it's number four for me i know you're not really a fan of ben simmons game but for me ben simmons works best when he's surrounded by a bunch of shooters. Now, if you're asking him to be the second option, the third option, maybe you'll be disappointed. But can you imagine Ben Simmons? I don't know if they, how they can work it out. Can you imagine Ben Simmons on the Warriors? No. They'd love no. him. Well, He'd love them. Oh, it would be so I good. Think, it would be so, so I good. Think, I think there was, I think there was conversation. Wasn't that conversation and that was, the Sixers wanted too much? Personally, they already got a Ben Simmons, and that's Draymond Green, except Draymond will actually shoot. He may shoot Stop. a brick. He may shoot Stop. an air ball, but he'll Stop. shoot. I love Draymond. I love Draymond. Calm down. Uh, no, Draymond. Hey, Robin I mean, Harris. It worked pretty if well. Draymond even think of, if Draymond even think about being Ben Simmons, he better wake up and apologize. No, 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 no. No, no, no. He's not Ben Simmons. I'd rather Draymond Green. He ain't about that. Call me crazy. Call me crazy. I'd rather Draymond Green. Because you know what I ain't got a question? Yeah. You know what? You know what I ain't got a question? What? Oh, you question Ben Simmons' heart now. He doesn't have heart? Now? It's not a heart. Now? That's been the whole conversation. Oh, it's not a heart. That's been the it's whole not, no, conversation. That's what the conversation is up here. It's between the ears. Either, either it's, one. It's, it's, it's either a one. perspective. It's not heart. Either it's one. It's not a heart. Come on. Either one. They're both, uh, they're both offensively compromised. Been. Great defenders. Give me, give me, give me Draymond Green, dog. Nah, you can, you can keep Draymond on that one. What I think, and I'm sure the other guys feel the same way, is I think we can do better. I really do, and I, I think we have the opportunity that the way that the games are flowing and the opportunities we're getting with the ball, we have even more opportunities. So. Been a little loose with the ball, um, you know. Some penalties at different times that have that have uh, you know knocked us out of some scoring drives. You know, some missed throws that I've had, some misreads. Um, certainly, wish I had made a few better throws tonight. Um, but again, good to get the win. We're two and zero, and there's a lot to build on. And um, you know, just good to to beat a division opponent. And um, you know, we got to go on the road against a really good team, good team next week. All right, Mike, despite uh, having a guest on yesterday, who just went it? Tom Brady he said he was lucky. He was lucky to win the seventh Super Bowl. Tom Brady, uh, this is no luck. He's on his way to breaking the 
NFL's passing yardage record. And look at this. Uh, he's on record to break that right? in week four. In week Did four, right? right? At, Did I use that what's word? that? Yeah. Did I use that word right? What, you, serendipity? Say, serendip serendipity? Yeah. 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 Uh, great song, too. Was that an album? Is that a police album or song? Anyway, um, but look, it's 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 likely to happen. Week three, it's fitting. They got the Rams. <laughs> even if he goes off, even if he goes off against the Rams and he throws for 400 yards, even 425, he still go break the record uh, in Gillette Stadium. He's like 499 away from the record. And you know what, Mike? I think um, I was talking to somebody last night. And this whole debate, you know, you spend a lot of time in Boston. You know how these things kind of take on a life of their own. And, hey, is it odd if the Patriots stop the game? Should they stop the game? What does Bill Belichick tell his team if he says focus on the game and yet they stop the game and hand the ball to Tom Brady for breaking the record or have some video tribute to Tom Brady? And my point is, so what? It's appropriate. Tom Brady breaking a record at Gillette Stadium. I know it's a little awkward that he's got a Buccaneer on the side of his helmet rather than a Patriot, uh, that the muskets won't be going off for him, uh, that people won't be saying his name lovingly with a Boston accent. But so what? He spent so much time at this stadium. I'd even suggest to you that he built the stadium. His success and his team's success helped build Gillette Stadium and Patriot Place makes all the sense in the world that Tom Brady would set yet another record at Gillette Stadium. I don't have any problem with it, and I'm actually looking forward to it. How do you see it? Um, you think we talk about Tom Brady too much? Nope. 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 Yeah. Nope. Absolutely not. I don't think, Mike, okay. I don't think we talk about Tom Brady enough. Tom Brady, okay. Aaron Rodgers, the great. You can't talk about the funny. greats enough. Well, it's funny. It's funny you say that, because uh, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> uh, remember Paul Pierce when he did the interview with Chris Mannix? He's talking about how his former employer, also my former employer, how yeah, like man. You know, you got to talk about LeBron all the time, which I know that's personal for Paul. But uh, generally speaking, we're like, duh, was and it's not and there's no there's no mandate to talk about LeBron all the time. It's that LeBron is always at the center of conversation. LeBron's always at the center of conversation. LeBron is always there at the end for the most part. You know, as rare is he is his team not in the finals. So everybody has gone home and gone to Cancun. When you whittle it down, all you got to talk about is LeBron. He's always relevant. Uh, he deserves to be talked about all the time. And you play the stuff that the people like. If you play the stuff that the people like, the people will come. It's as simple as that. Okay? Simple as that. So, and like we talked about recently. Um, Mo Better Blues, people. Mo Better uh, Blues. At, okay, anyway, go ahead. Pulling the curtain back a little bit. Like we talked about recently uh, at, at the BFA Summit. You know, you got to play the hits. And I also don't, we, you know, you also don't want to assume that people have seen all of our Brady conversations. So if people have seen all of our Brady conversations enough to think that we talk about Brady too much, 
then thank you for your support. Thank you for your loyalty because that means you watching everything we're putting out. So God bless you. Um, but you know, who knows who's seen yesterday's Brady conversation or the day before or whatever. So, but the reason I asked that though, but so why did you ask the question, Michael? Well, the reason I asked the question was only because it's like, I, I do try to be mindful of, you know, having some variety to our topics. Um, and you're obviously still in Boston. Uh, you are still very yes. close to the Boston sports scene. Uh, you do, uh, you know, Boston sports tonight on NBC sports. Uh, you do pre and post game show for the Patriots. Uh, I'm next door in Connecticut. Um, and just, just quick correction. The pre and post game oh, for point NBC of order. Sports. Point of order. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, not, I'm not sorry. The not not okay. the team. You don't work for the team. I mean, okay. All right. Patriots okay. Games. Just, uh, do I put that yeah. out there? Point taken. No point yeah. taken. You're not. I, on I, you know, bro, I got I got yeah, I got to no, protect your reputation a little bit. No, for sure. For sure. For sure. No, but um, and obviously, you know, you and I, you know, met and, and had a lot of experiences covering this team, but they are the uh, the most dominant dynasty uh, in NFL history. Brady is the most accomplished individual in NFL history. Some would argue the greatest player in NFL history. So no, I it's like I'm I'm just trying to make sure that we're not defaulting to the low-hanging fruit that is oh. Tom Brady every day. No. But when you're throwing nine no, touchdowns I mean, like, in two games at age 44 and in year 22. He's a story. I think, I think, I think is, you're right, Michael. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. You probably can't talk about him enough. But I do want to pace ourselves. I do want to pace ourselves because we're going into week three. Next week going to be a circus, okay? We found out today, I mean, listen, Money hard to come by. Budget's tight. Don't we know it? Okay? We ain't just shelling out money all willy-nilly around here. And we going, uh, we going on a road trip, apparently. We going to be at Foxborough <laughs> for, for, for this game. Are we, are, are, are we, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like there's just, oh, no, no, we're not going to be at Foxborough. Sorry, we're just doing, I, I'm, getting my, I'm getting my wires crossed. We're just doing something, right. you know, for the, for the uh, for the festival, it's funny you said that. I was, it, it, all, I'm, all I'm saying is, the same, should we start talking about the same week conference four? Call, I was thinking, is that what he heard yeah, today? I hear that. <laughs> I <miss> that. <laughs> no, I got. I'm, I'm getting confused with another I event. All I'm saying though is, you, yeah. you know what I'm getting at is that, you know, we ain't even got to week three, and we're already looking ahead to week four. There'll be plenty of time to unpack the Brady Belichick reunion next week, but I will get back to the overall point of how he should be received. Uh, and, and honestly, it does it, it fits into what with you your answer to my question of do we talk about him too much? The answer is no, we don't talk about him enough. I don't think there can be enough done on the part of the Patriots or on the part of Gillette Stadium or on the part of the fan base to not only welcome Tom Brady back, but to celebrate Tom Brady um, his his you know uh, expected breaking of the all-time passing yardage record. Like I know Belichick is going to want to have his team focused on the job at hand, and Brady's wearing a different uniform, and we're here to beat Tom Brady, not but pat still, him on the back, not pat him on yeah. the butt. But I mean, I don't know how there can't be a pregame ceremony. I don't know how there can't be all the tribute videos. I'm not sure how there can't be 
standing ovations. Um, it's going to be emotional, unlike really probably anything we've seen. I, I can't I can't think of a comp. I can't think of a I can't think of off the top of my head somebody of Brady's stature going back so soon. Who's still good. Right. Who's, who's still, still good. Who's still playing going back so right. soon. When his former coach is still there. This isn't a player who has moved on and things have changed and, and it's like it's been a long time and I'm back. Like, no, this is like it was it was just two years ago. He was wearing that uniform uh, who has decorated that stadium and just, with so and many just banners. three years ago and just three years ago that, that he won his sixth Super Bowl title there. Yeah, hugging I, that coach. And, and coming off a of seventh Super Bowl. This isn't this isn't this this game deserves all the hype. He deserves all the flowers. Hell, maybe literally. Like, you know what? Go come into America and have have some people dropping rose petals at his feet as he walks on the field. I don't give a damn. Like the dude deserves it. Um, so it's gonna be fun. Uh if you if you're tired of hearing about Brady, uh the next two weeks are not are not for you. And you know, at the risk of overlooking uh both opponents, because uh who's Tampa got this week? Um, who I, I forgot. I lost the Rams. Oh, Tampa's, Tampa's got, the Rams. got the Rams. Tampa's got the Patriots. They only have a possible playoff preview game, and the, the Patriots, Patriots have the Saints. Saints, right? So Tampa's got the Rams. Patriots have the Saints. Two critical games, uh, two marquee games. Um, but I don't know that you can get uh, too far ahead of our. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I don't know that you can overhype Week Four. So I'll leave it there. We're at the top of the hour. We got company on the other side. We're gonna pivot. Um, but uh, yeah, it's I'm with you. It, it as much as we talk about him, it does feel like the first time because we're talking about something that we've never seen in professional football. We're talking about a 44 year old quarterback who I remember we talked about it recently. You were like, oh, he's top 10. I'm like, damn, that's conservative. I mean, he's still top five. Talked about top five earlier. He's still top five quarterback in the NFL at 44 years old, throwing four or five touchdowns a game week in week out. And he about to match Marino's uh, record. Is it Marino's record or Manning's record? One of them. Look at second games of four touchdown passes. Any on the verge of doing that? Yeah, Marino. I mean, yeah, right. come on, man. Come on, come on, man. Top five. Like, huh? I mean, you said top five. Name name your top five two B yeah. slash MCs. <laughs> Brian, did he call you? For the Lakers? Yeah. Did he put that call on? He did. Let's he did. do it. He did. Let's go. So, Let's get it. So it was you know, it was a real call though. It wasn't like no bull it was a it was a real call. I wasn't expecting it from him. I mean, we talked about it years before about getting getting with each other, but I heard it. And that's my brother. I knew him since we was 15, 16 mm-hmm. years. I heard it. Yo. Like, I need you. Say less. You ain't got to say nothing. I already know what time it is when you you hit me direct. Right. You ain't the, the GM ain't hit me. Right. You the GM. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like he hit me. He was like, "Yo, champ, like the time is now." And you felt that. I I felt it. I felt like the time is now, right now. You you. It's just a different vibe. It's a different aura. Different energy around. Time is now. And the time is now for us to get multiple million dollars worth of game from the distinguished professor Eddie Glaude Jr. Back. It's been so long. So much has happened and so much is happening, Doc. 
Uh, and, and we'll get to real world events, uh, which nobody puts into context and perspective quite like you. We'll get to that in a minute, but you know, we'll warm you up with uh, some some sports takes that I know you you're dying to get off. Last time we had you on, you yeah, said you want to come on and talk off. about your Lakers. He wanted to talk about his Lakers and his Steelers, and you heard the tail end of our conversation about Brady and the Patriots. So I know you want to get at us about that, but let's start with the Lakers. We just heard Carmelo on the Million Dollars Worth of Game podcast talking about LeBron placing the call. How excited are you about your old heads? I'm sorry, your Lakers and this roster <laughs> that, that they have assembled uh, in pursuit of another championship banner? Well, first of all, it's such a delight to be with you guys. I learned so much from you as I watch your show, uh, uh, you know, and so oh, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting for me. Look, I'm not, I'm not overly excited. You know, I know what happens when uh, franchises stick with their their older stars too long. In some ways, you you set the stage for the dark ages for the franchise. I know they want to win right now with LeBron, but I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. I don't know how LeBron is going to fit with Russell Westbrook. I don't know if Anthony Davis is going to give us a full season. I mean, how many games was he out last year? 36 games, something like that. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, how this team is going to gel. Um, so I'm coming into the season skeptical, to be honest with you. I mean, if you have mm. Westbrook, Davis, and, and Braun doing their, doing their thing, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna make some noise in, in the Western Conference. They're going to be difficult to beat. But I don't know how they're going to gel. I don't know what, Ray, you know, what Rondo's going to do. I don't know what Trevor Rees is going to do. I don't know what Carmelo's going to do. I don't know what Dwight Howard's going to do. I mean, it's an over-30 bunch, man, and, and you always got to look at not only the now, but you also got to look at tomorrow too. So as a lifelong Lakers fan, I'm, I'm ambivalent. How's that? Man, Ooh. I think you're in the minority. Ooh. I don't think I, I, I don't think or maybe I just haven't been hearing. I don't think many Lakers fans thinking like you right now. I think I think most Lakers fans think they are going back to the finals. Well, I, you know, I think, you know, who knows? We could. The last time we tried to put together a team like this, remember that team with Kobe and, and Gary Payton? <laughs> remember, remember that disaster oh, that happened that the year? Remains, the remains of Carl Malone. Or, or, exactly. Or, or there was the one, or there was the one with, with Kobe, Nash, Howard, and Paul Gasol. That one was on the front of Sports Illustrated. This, this would feel different, though, man. LeBron, if not for injury, is still at the height of his powers. Westbrook could average a triple double. So now, I mean, like, he'll hold it down if LeBron needs to rest, go to the bench. Dare I say, he gets hurt again. I mean, Anthony Davis is the wild card. I would have loved to have seen him get more shooting. But as old as they are, I, I prefer season, Doc. Look at this. I prefer season. That's what I would, that's, I, I would say. They, they old on paper, but there's a lot of seasoning to this group. Wouldn't you say? Right. I think there's a. it's always a good combination to have some seasoning and some fresh vegetables. You know, you you don't you don't want just bagged vegetables in the, in in your succotash, Doc. So See, it would I'm be great to have them. You know, you're a lot of Tony Sachery for me. Too. Yeah. So what I'm just saying is that it would be great to have have this combination of seasoned veterans with some real serious young talent with them, so that you can act, so that you can map out the future of the franchise. Usually, when you yeah. make a run like this, you double down on everything for this one for these last two chips that LeBron can get or however we want to think about it, you actually have a chance. You risk throwing the franchise into the dark ages. And I know the Lakers think they could always do well on, on, on in the free agency market, which is true. But, you know, we need to cultivate talent in-house too as well. Like, so I'm the, 
I'm amb- I'm ambivalent. Maybe because I'm an old head. You know okay. what I mean? I don't know. But I always you can never <laughs> bet. Against, you can never bet against Bron though. You can never bet against Bron. I, I I tell you, I'm not a Lakers fan, but I saw the picture. I think it was at the Chargers game. A picture of Magic and LeBron. I just immediately thought, okay, they're gonna win it right there. I I must have just stared at that picture for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, okay, here we go. That's knowledge passing on knowledge. Game recognizing game. Oh, yeah. you know, five <laughs> yeah. championships for Matt, five for Magic. Le- LeBron's gonna win. He's about to get his fifth. I'm, I'm just thinking, okay, they're gonna win it. But I want to ask you about something else because I know uh, from talking to you that you are a Steelers fan. You heard us talking about the Patriots and the Patriots and Steelers. There's a maybe subtle, maybe overt rivalry because. The franchises want to be recognized as the NFL's best. As you look at it, I know I'm giving you a softball here, but I want you to just smack it out of the park. If you look at it, who's the best franchise and why? Oh, who's the best franchise and why in the NFL between those two? No, there's no comparison. You can just start with the quality of character of the owners. One get caught in whatever he was Ooh. caught in, and the other, and the other <laughs> is a working man, okay. you know, giving. Who gave who okay. gave the first black coach a chance? We could just go on and on. We, you know, we could just go down the line. So at the level of leadership of the of, of the organization, there's a difference in quality of human being. But let's think about 74, 75, 78, 79. Those Steeler teams, come on, man. I mean, so when we think about and then that era, you think about the kind of hitting that was happening, the kind of grabbing that the physicality of the game during that period of time. And, you know, so I'm not taking anything. I think Tom Brady's top three. He's not even top five. He might be top two. Joe Montana, Tom Brady. Those are the two that come immediately to mind to me. So I'm going to give him his props. But when it comes to franchises, the Steelers, that's, that's you know, that's that's Cadillac. That's Lamborghini. That's, come on. That's, let me... Let me let me let me try this then, because because you you heard our conversation earlier, and I was I right. think I think what caught your attention is uh, what I said they're the most dominant dynasty in NFL history. How about this, in in under the guise of alliteration, I would call the Steelers, the definitive the definitive dynasty in NFL history in terms of the way organizations are run, in terms of the way people draft, and we just saw him going to the Hall of Fame. Rest in peace, rest in power to the late great Bill Nunn. And how he helped to integrate yeah. the game with scouting HBCUs for a franchise like the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Of course, Mr. Rooney and the Rooney Rule. Not you know, Al Davis gave Arshel the job before the Rooney Rule, but right, they've that's been right. at the forefront. But they've been at the forefront of a lot of the NFL as we know it. So I would say the Steelers, and not to mention their fan base, their national fan base in the way that they travel. You know, I would say the Steelers define the NFL, but sustain dominance over what is it Michael 20 years and potentially counting the Patriots I would say are unmatched. Uh, look, look, did you send did you send Dr. Glott a book? Did you send him a book? Don't flash the book you if you ain't sent it to him. I, I, I oh, you know what I owe as a matter of fact you give me your address because I owe you I still have a signed copy you followed up you sent that you sent it the same day you know, you know that is like that is one. that is discipline. That's followed. So, so yeah, I want, I, I want that book. I got that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Mike, I think that that's compelling. You know, one thing, one thing I, I must say, I'm a fan, but I'm not a fanatic, you know? And I think that that mm-hmm. is a, that, that is a reasonable argument to make. There is a sense in which sustained excellence over two decades. Um, 
having a leader like Tom Brady, uh, who was underestimated coming out of college, who's had a chip on his shoulder for his entire career. Uh, he, he, now he has new reasons for, 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 for uh, uh, being motivated because people doubt that a 44-year-old can play at this level. So I, I will grant you that. I will, grant, I will grant you that claim. But, you know, to my mind, you know, definitive, dominant, hmm, hmm. Now we have a different kind of question to ask. Which one would you rather be? Definitive? Oh, yeah. We would be remiss. I'm sure there are a lot of Cowboys fans and Niners fans uh, who are like, hello, Packers. hello, Niners in particular. Niners in particular, the different iterations of the of, of the Niners dynasty right. through the 80s right. and 90s. They're probably like, uh, hello, you know, so uh, but, but I, I hear would you. say but I, I would, I would say, rather be the, the flagship. But I would say to you both, I would say to you both, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to do what the Patriots have done in the salary cap era. So you you, you mentioned those four championships in six years. There's no salary cap. I mean, there's no player movement. So players are pretty much stuck at, at the uh, they had to play by the whims of ownership. Whereas now, you know, you, you win a championship, you go off uh, and chase some dollars and you got to kind of uh, recycle over and over within a cap. That's hard to do to do that yeah. six times in the salary cap era. Yeah, I grant that. Match. I grant, I grant that. I grant that. Absolutely, I grant that. But I'm still gonna say the definitive. I'm gonna stick with Mike's <laughs> I know, language. The I know. Definitive franchise. I like, of the I like NFL. It. I like it. Pittsburgh. Well, listen. I love that. Doc, we uh, we warmed you up with some fun, but we're gonna make a uh, a hard turn to, to some serious current events. Uh, safe to say that the the honeymoon, if there ever was a honeymoon, uh, with the Biden administration, is over. Again, if there ever was one, it, it was brief. Um, and we continue to be a country in crisis, as you all know, Doc, and as you chronicle with the best of them. Um, you know, it's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. We got another border crisis involving black people, black and brown people. Um, mm -hmm. And it makes you think that uh, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, and Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, we knew that Trump was, 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 was a symptom and not the disease. Our current leadership seems like they're more of a treatment and certainly not the cure. And we're seeing that play out with the treatment of, uh, of, of Haitian migrants uh, at, the, at the Texas border. We're seeing some appalling and disturbing uh, videos and photos. And so we'll get into that after we hear from President Biden, uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, and uh, Chuck Schumer actually has some scathing remarks earlier today. Chuck Schumer about uh, the way the Biden administration has mishandled uh, this latest border crisis. President, what's your reaction to the images coming from the southern border? Get it under control. Get it under control or you have it under control. We will get it under control. Follow-up question on Haiti. There are photographs and reports of uh, border agents on horseback using what appear to be whips um, on Haitian migrants. Does the administration view that as an appropriate tactic? Can you speak to that? There are people who are upset about it. Yeah, understandably so. Um, I, I've seen some of the footage. I don't have the full context. I can't imagine what context would make that appropriate, but I don't have additional details. Uh, and certainly, 
I don't have additional context, April. I don't think anyone seeing that footage uh, would think it was acceptable or appropriate. I want to follow up on the question about Haitians and, and it's specifically these these photos that are surfacing on Border Patrol agents yeah. seemingly using whips. I know you said that there's no context that it would be seen as inappropriate. So the question really is, why would this be happening under the Biden administration? Is this going to stop? What would the pro- I, I, I wonder sort of what are going to be the consequences if what we're seeing is what we're seeing? I mean, Yamish, it's all good questions. We just saw this footage. Um, it's horrible to watch. Um, I, I just have to get more information on it. Again, April, I don't I don't have more information on it. I've also seen the video. I can't imagine what the scenario is where that would be appropriate. I'm certainly not suggesting that, but we've just seen the footage short earlier this morning. On the, on the photo, I know you said that you're still assessing it, but just to, to add, if this is what we see, is, the, is it the president's stance or, or the White House's stance that whoever the these border agents are using what seems to be whips on migrants that they, that they would be fired or at least never be able to do that again. Uh, of course they should never be able to do it again. I don't know what the circumstances would be. It's obviously horrific, the footage. I don't have any more information on it. So let me venture to do that and we'll see if there's more to convey. We've all seen these horrible images coming from our southern border as Haitian asylum seekers simply looking for to escape tyranny and the problems that they have sought have been met at our doorstep with unimaginable dignity. Images of Haitian migrants being hit with whips and other forms of physical violence is completely unacceptable. This behavior must be addressed and we must provide accountability. The images turn your stomach. It must be stopped, this kind of violence. Right now, I'm told there are four flights scheduled to deport these asylum seekers back to a country that cannot receive them. Such a decision defies common sense. It also defies common decency and what America is all about. Remember that harbor, that lady in the harbor in the city in which I live. So I urge President Biden and Secretary Mayorkas to immediately put a stop to these expulsions and to end this Title 42 policy at our southern border that we cannot continue these hateful and xenophobic Trump policies that disregard our refugee laws. We must allow asylum seekers to present their claims at our ports of entry and be afforded due process. I commit to work with this administration to provide resources so that we can establish safe, orderly, humane processes for those seeking protections. Again. The policies that are being enacted now and the horrible treatment of these innocent people who have come to the border must stop immediately. Hey, Dr. Gillard, um, and so obviously the uh, Department of Homeland Security is investigating uh, itself. <laughs> They're investigating the Border Patrol uh, actions uh, and inhumane treatment of uh, Haitian migrants. Uh, Dr. Gillard, what, is, what does this situation speak to? Well, first of all, it speaks to the enduring legacy of Stephen Miller's immigration policies, right? So it's one thing for us to critique and and rail against uh, the harshness, the cruelty, the barbarity of Donald Trump's immigration policy and be relatively calm and quiet when it comes to the extension of those policies with a kind of benign face that we're seeing under the Biden administration. And even prior to Donald Trump, remember President Obama was considered the deporter in chief. 
So part of what we have to begin to do is to kind of call into question the overall framework that guides immigration policy in this country. The idea that Haitian immigrants, that these Haitian migrants are being treated in such a way, given what has happened in Haiti, earthquakes, hurricanes, political assassination, that they're not treated as refugees. They're corralled like animals on planes and deported back to a country that is fundamentally destabilized because of natural disaster and the human political disaster that has long legacy, a long legacy tied to U.S. imperial policy, right, is unconscionable. And I think Senator Schumer put it rightly. It, it speaks against common sense and common decency. And just because it's a Democrat doesn't mean you bite your tongue. And let's be clear, when Yumiche Alcindor was asking that question, she was showing great restraint. She's Haitian-American. This is deeply connected to her lived experience. And it has everything to do with a country that values certain folks and devalues others. Because at the end of the day, the Biden administration is concerned about all of those white folks who believe that America is browning. And they're concerned about what that will mean politically for their own well-being, to put it crudely. Yeah, I, I, I love I love that answer uh, because it really gets us back to you know what Mike said and off the top we talked about the honeymoon period for Joe Biden. Look, uh, I was uh, guilty as charged. I was celebrating like a lot of people when when he won because I felt like that needed to happen for the United States of America. But what what responsibility does he bear and 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 what should he be doing specifically right now instead of having it was press secretary out there saying, hey, I, got, I need to get more information. What, what should the president be doing right now, in your opinion? I think he should be laying out, right, a completely different framework around immigration, right? We can't tinker around the edges because immigration policy in the United States uh, uh, since Ronald Reagan, actually after Ronald Reagan, has been driven by a kind of nativism, a kind of ugly undertow. And you can't tinker around the edges in this regard. And so I think he needs to reject everything that Stephen Miller and the Trump administration put in place. And I think he needs to call into question the assumption that informed Barack Obama's administration uh, and its philosophy with regards to the question of immigration. Um, and, and unless he lays bare a different kind of framework, right? only thing we're going to do is get lipstick on a pig. That's all we're going to get. We're going to get a kind of new dressing on a policy that is, I think, that is fundamentally contrary to America's self-story. Now, let me say this really quickly, Mike. The Republican Party has basically been overrun by fascism, by illiberal forces. Immigration policy is just one example of those illiberal forces that are really concerned about the browning of America and what that will mean for those who believe this country must always be a white nation in the vein of old Europe. So we're seeing the end of the age of Reagan with the overrunning of the Republican Party with by fascism and illiberal forces. But if we're witnessing the end of the age of Reagan, and I'll say this really quickly, that means we must witness the end of the, Repub of the Democratic Party that came into existence to respond to it. The problem isn't just the Republican Party. The problem also consists of the democratic response to Reaganism. Ooh, and we're still grappling with that in the, in the Biden administration, in Joe Manchin, in Kirsten Sinema, and all the people that they're providing cover for.
Oh, that's a, uh, that's a great point. Uh, let, let me ask you this. Before we got to this point, before, I mean, obviously looking at what those, those scenes there, there's really no defense for it. What, how would you say, how would you describe uh, Joe Biden's job performance up to this point? From January uh, of 2021 to the present, what are we talking about, in your opinion, with Joe Biden? So I was a part of that group of historians who met with the president, right? And unlike some of my colleagues, I, I haven't been out in, you know, I didn't, haven't talked about it because they asked us to keep it private. And, but one of the things I know that I, I wanted to push in that meeting was that he had to be a transformative president. He had to change uh, the parameters of how we conceived of governance, of how we thought of ourselves. He had to take, we had to change the rules of the game because we had been playing by the rules set by Reagan and the Republican Party. And so I think the 3.5 million infrastructure, you know, uh, human infrastructure bill, the infrastructure, he's trying to be transformative. But underneath it, though, he still has in his head, at least the political consultants and the folk around him, they have to, let me put it this way, he still has in his head a particular kind of political actor that's guiding their decision making. As long as our politics are driven by those who assume that the most important people are white, working class, heterosexual men who left the Republican Party in the 80s, we're going to be stuck. Mm -hmm. Because they're constantly kowtowing, trying to think. The Democratic Party, for example, they act like scorn, a scorned lover, trying to always get the attention of those people who left them. And as long as they're making moves and, 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 and political calculations based on whether or not they alienate those folk, we're going to find ourselves stuck on this hamster wheel. So the short answer to your question is that he's dreaming big, but he's acting small. He's speaking big, but he's moving cautiously. You got you, if you're gonna go big, go hit the gaps, damn it. That's what you gotta do, Tony Dungy style. Hit your gaps. Don't worry about nothing else. <laughs> Sorry. Well, a, a, a divide. No, no, that's like a divided, a divided Democratic Party at that. And I won't go back to something you said earlier about just because it's Democrats, we can't bite our tongue. And I, I want to know because I, I don't know that that's an issue. To be honest with you, I think there are a lot of people out there saying a lot of black people out there saying, "Told you so," because I do. I remember, we you know we all remember the election when it was like there were a lot of people. Yeah. And I'm not saying you know, listen, we we know what had to happen in the election. Okay, we know what had what had to happen in November 2020, but there were mm -hmm. plenty of people saying, "What's the difference? Don't fall for the same thing that the Democratic Party has been selling us." For decades, like they're not going to do any, they're not going to do you any better, right? And, and Donald Trump was was very much running on that. What do you have to lose? Or look all look what all, all I've done. They're not going to treat you any better. You know, he was trying to take advantage of that, right? But I remember Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, you know, in his in his victory speech, saying, "I will have your back." I remember, mm -hmm. I will remember the black people who helped put me in the you White have House. Not back, mention, I'll have yours, right? Exactly. Not to mention. The fact that we have a black woman vice president and, and Madam Vice President and Kamala Harris. I say all that, uh, Dr. Glad, to say, is it fair to con to conflate or maybe not even conflate says negative connotation, but to include those images that we're seeing at the border, the the mistreatment and the abuse by white men on horseback with using their reins as whips, that mistreatment of those Haitian migrants with voting rights or lack thereof. All the things, and, and listen, nobody's looking at Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and expecting them 
to, to cure in racism no more than Barack Obama was capable of doing that, of course. Mm -hmm. But there's there's always been this skepticism going back to your word. It's used about the Lakers this skepticism of whether or not President Biden and Vice President Harris were actually going to be as down for black people or in this right. case black people from Haiti as they said they were going to be were, were they going to pay us what we what they owe in a form of legislation. Uh, you know, whether it's whether it's the George Floyd Act, whether it's a John Lewis bill, whatever it is, were they going to pay those bills? And so is this a continuation of that is what I'm getting at? Just another example of how they weren't they weren't all as cracked up to be. That's why I said that, that honeymoon, if they ever existed, that honeymoon was over quickly. Yeah. So, you know, right now there's terror and panic underneath our politics. Remember, the, the U.S. Census data came out and for the first time in the history of the country the white population declined. And so immigration bears the burden of this panic, right, around the browning of America that's not in some distant future, but right here. And I bring, I say that as a preface, right, that immigration carries with it this uh, overall sense that the country is changing. And so this is important to link the debate around immigration the actions we see on the border with regards to Haitian immigrants in particular, because we tend to think of immigration as only the southern border, having little to do with folks coming from Africa, for folks coming from the Caribbean and the like. What does it mean to talk about black migrants in this conversation? But we need to link that to uh, the attack on voting rights, to the brutal assaults on Asian Americans, to, the, to, to, to January 6th insurrection. All of There's a through line through all of that, Mike. And the through line is that there are folk in who are experiencing sheer panic vis-a-vis -vis the changing nature of the country. And President Biden is trying to walk that fine line, it seems to me. But let's let's get it clear. It, it they're not fighting for voting rights the way they should. He's not fighting for us the way the way they should. Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema, they're they're providing cover for folk. It's not just them. And so I think part of what we have to do is to continue to mobilize, continue to hold these folk accountable, understanding that the problem that we face isn't just illiberal Republicans or fascist Republicans. The problem we face are greedy, selfish, self-interested Democrats who lack spine, who lack spine. And we can't outsource our well-being to them. We have to continue to act in a very politically mature way. So the short answer to your question is we have to see it all as related and then judge the Biden administration accordingly and not just let a black face make us quiet. You see, they always want you to quiet yourself, yeah. to get in line. They yeah. want us, in, how can I put it really quickly? They want us to do what, what the, Laura Ingram told LeBron. They want us to shut up and dribble when it comes to politics. <laughs> well, word, word. I, I, I'm glad. This is, my last, this is my last thing for you. I'm glad you haven't... Uh, decided to shut up and just stay in your lane. You're doing all sorts of things. I love your book. You know how much I love Baldwin. And so you really uh, crushed it on that one. What else are you working on before we get you out of here? I need to know what's in the lab with Dr. Glover. Man, I've been trying to work on this book about our current moment, trying to figure out how we talk about the fact that over 675,000 are dead and the country wants to move on, how we're disproportionately represented in that number, 
I want to talk about um, how do we imagine being otherwise, right? But in the meantime, I'm trying to hold myself together because, you know, in the midst of us having to continue to speak and do the things that we do, we're having to deal with loss, we're having to deal with grief, we're having to mourn. So I'm trying to be gentle with myself as I try to figure out what to say uh, uh, in light of what we're experiencing. So the book right now is tentatively titled After This. I signed a two book deal. So the first one's coming and the second one is about me growing up in Mississippi. So we'll see what happens. I love it. I love it. Well, Yo, that Doc, was the I, best. I, I, I certainly... That was the best. Go ahead, Michael. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. It was the best what? I want to hear that. I want to hear what no, you said. No, I was at that. I was at that, that with your, your answer, I texted Michael when you said it, Doc. I was like, great question. Because your answer was so beautiful. That's the best thing I've heard since Michaela Cole at, uh, at, the, at the Emmys. And she got up there for 30 seconds and like dropped the mic. Like that was a mic drop right there just now, Doc. And uh, that was beautiful. And we look forward, I'm looking forward to, to, to you putting this moment in perspective. Because you're right. It does feel like we're moving very quickly. Send me that. It. Send me that address. I'm going to get you that. Steelers you know, I book. will. It, 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 That's right. I got you. <laughs> Looking Appreciate forward to you so thank much. Y'all. This is a treat. Appreciate you. This is always a treat. This is always a treat. Yeah, it's talking great. to you about. I mean, we, I mean, it's just, we, we got to do this more often. We got to do it more often. Indeed. Appreciate your time. Thank Indeed. you. Appreciate you. Take care, y'all. You know, as far as the quarterback situation with Andy, he's still working through all his results right now and going through that. So we'll know more later on tonight with him. Uh, but I appreciate his toughness, and I thought he was playing really well. Is healthy? Is he your starter? If Andy is healthy, is he your starter? Ah, uh, that's something that I'm not going to get into with scheme. That's not scheme. <laughs> of course, of course it is. That that's that's a hundred percent scheme, Brad. That's a hundred percent scheme. All right, the beat goes on and on uh, in Chicago, uh, specifically when it comes to Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, who the starting quarterback is going to be. Uh, we will break this down and many other things with NFL reporter Cameron Wolf. He's with the NFL Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Cameron Wolf. Uh, you can see him. You can see him a lot. Uh, part of NFL Game Day, uh, also a part of NFL Now. Uh, check that out. So, Cameron, if you look at it, and you look at the situation in Chicago, Andy Dalton, a lot of fans there haven't wanted him to be the starter uh, from, from day one. What do you think, where do you think the Bears will go from here? Because when Justin Fields got in there, he looked all right. But you still, you still, I would think, as a fan, say Fields over Dalton. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I was watching that clip of Matt Nagy, and I couldn't help. Like, I've watched a lot of these press conferences in, in my day. That looked like a coach that's trying his best to, to, to stop all the, the traffic, the Justin Field traffic, but he knows what's going on behind the scenes. Like, to me, I think it's only a matter of time when it's Justin Field's time. You know, whatever that mark is in his mind, whether it's a certain amount of losses or a certain amount of time, you know, I'm here in Miami. I saw it last year with Tua and Fitz. You know, there was a certain amount of time that goes by when you're like, hey, I got to see the first round pick. You know, he was drafted to be the guy for a reason. So I think we're all kind of getting dragged along with the uh, with the fray. You know, we, we're waiting to see when they make that decision. 
Um, Andy Dalton isn't the answer here, and I don't think they're a playoff team, you know, regardless. So it's might as well start the timetable with Justin Fields. I don't really know why Matt Nagy's playing all these games. Could, might, might be that Kansas City influence just too much in his head, you know, the, the high workout yeah. with Mahomes and, and Alex Smith. Maybe, maybe. But you mentioned, Cameron, your, your time in Miami uh, watching uh, the two and fit situation play out last year. We, we didn't really talk about this yesterday. I'd love to know. Obviously, two is nursing. I believe it's uh, bruised ribs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I love yep. to know how the Dolphins collectively are licking their wounds after getting beat down by the Bills, especially with this being such a a major season for this franchise, which thinks it's a playoff team, which thinks it's a a seasoned quarterback away. Could that be Tua? Could that be a certain somebody who's not playing in Houston? Just like, what is the vibe in Miami after beating the Big Bad Patriots? In week one, and then getting the brakes beat off him in week two, and your yeah, it's sad yeah. days. Yeah, it's sad days in Miami. You know, if you if you don't know if you could be sad in Miami, you got to watch the Dolphins this week. They're proving that you can find a way to be sad in the city of Miami. Uh, it's funny. I asked Xavier Howard, who's their their best player, the only guy who's really playing good so far this season, how the mood was in the locker room because we don't get to go in there anymore. He just simply said, like a funeral. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can picture that. You know, I think this is the team, the Bills, who who had their number. They beat them the last six times. The Bills have beat the Dolphins, and you know, we talk so much about the Patriots being this uh, leader of the AFC East for so long. It's the Bills now. The Bills are the team that beat in that division, and the Dolphins keep getting their butt handed to them every time they play them. So it's not a good feeling. There's a lot of questions there. You know, whether it's around Tua whether it's around the offensive line, whether it's around, like you were talking about, they've spent two years rebuilding. This was supposed to be the year, and they're getting smacked 35 to nothing against another AFC team. So there's a lot of people who were looking in the mirror and got to realize, like, what do we have to do for this to be different? I think this is a, a coming a coming home, you know, week for the Dolphins. We're going to see exactly who they are uh, coming up this week against the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, what the do they have to do? I would say – Hey, you know what, Mike and Cameron, what do they have to do? I'd say maybe acquire Deshaun Watson. Is that realistic? Uh, do, you, do you think the Dolphins, Cameron, are really uh, in that mix? And if so, what would they be comfortable trading for Deshaun Watson? Tra comfortable and realistic uh, trading for Deshaun yeah. Watson. Yeah, I think they're definitely in the mix, definitely listening. I think when you look at the Dolphins, it's they're in a weird spot because they drafted two in the first round last year, and they're trying to do everything they can to give him an opportunity. But I think you have a, a owner in Stephen Ross who's 80-plus years old who wants to win now, who said, hey, we've done the rebuilding thing for two years. I'm not trying to wait any longer. And you've got a, a, a GM and head coach duo who, by the way, are black, which means they know that the rope is going is only so long. Um, they want to win as well. So it's how much patience do you give for this young quarterback to succeed versus going to get the now the now product in Deshaun Watson. So I think they've definitely been calling. I think they've definitely been listening. Like you mentioned, it's the price. You know, you can't mention Watson without mentioning uh, the, the legal cases that go along with it. So I think the Dolphins would probably want some sort of assurances that if something went left or something went right with with Deshaun's legal cases, they would be able to be able to get some pick protections or not give up as many picks. So I think that's probably a big part of the situation. 
Um, I don't know that Deshaun gets traded this season. To me, that seems more like a 2020 all, 22 offseason deal. But if Tua doesn't play better than he has so far, the Dolphins are absolutely going to be at the front of that line because they, they're not going to wait a third year to see if Tua is going to be the guy. Uh, and on the flip side, I love to kind of get your thoughts. I'm going to I'm gonna sneak in a two for one here, Cameron, just, just mm-hmm. like checking all the boxes in the, in the AFC East while, we, while we're on the subject of, uh, of, the, of the Dolphins and we, and we covered the Bills here. Uh, the Patriots, so far so solid with Mac Jones, it seems like. Whereas poor Zach Wilson's, you know, uh, first losing to his predecessor in, uh, in week one and then getting booed in his home opener in week two, throwing four interceptions. Uh, I'd love to know just your assessment of and your insight into where both these franchises are as unlike the Bills and Dolphins who had incumbent quarterbacks, both these franchises breaking in rookie quarterbacks to much different results so far. What's your assessment of where the Jets and Patriots are in these transition years? Yeah, let me start with the Jets because, man, that, that franchise has been through a lot. You know, you, you went through the Adam Gase era last year and everybody was so excited to get rid of them. Like, like everything was going to be so bright and, 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 you know, glossy on the other side of it. And it hasn't been, you know, I, you look at the jet situation, right? They had the number two pick and they picked Zach Wilson and they got rid of Sam Darnold. And you look across the street in Carolina and Sam Darnold's two and O and the, the Panthers are looking good. Darnold's looking good. They passed on Mac Jones, who is looking pretty decent with the, uh, with the Patriots. And their quarterback is is looking a lot like Donald did, throwing a lot of interceptions. So at some point, you got to realize maybe it's the franchise and not the player. So I think the Jets, that would be a hard team for me to kind of um, look at and say that there's a lot of promise there because I think Zach Wilson will be better, but there's a lot of issues on that team. There's a lot of holes on that team. Whereas the Patriots, that, that franchise already has an elite defense. So for Mac Jones, perfect fit for him coming from Alabama, where they've always had that elite defenses. I've watched him play the last couple of weeks, and what stands out to me is that he's at his best as being a game manager. And I know you don't necessarily want your first-round pick to be that, but he hasn't thrown a lot of touchdowns, but he hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions. He's stuck in the pocket, made throws when he needs to make throws, and, and just kind of kept them in a lot of games and allowed their defense and other playmakers to win. So he's in a more advantageous situation than Zach Wilson, who has to be Superman every day. So I think that's kind of the state of both franchises. You have a, a franchise in the Patriots who are right on the cusp of contention and the Jets who are far, far away. So I think you look at that AFC East and it's definitely a class of the, the rich and poor. You got the Bills, you got the Bills at the very top, the Dolphins and Patriots in the middle, and then the Jets way at the bottom. Last thing before we let you go, man. Um, indulge me here. Just indulge me. It's only yeah. two weeks in. Mm-hmm. This time last season, we were handing Russell Wilson his first MVP. Hell, his first MVP votes, and we know how the rest of the season played out. Uh, would love to know after two weeks. Let's not even call it the yeah. most valuable player because we've got on. 15 more games now to figure that out. Your, your MIP, your most impressive individual player through two weeks so far this season, aka the MVP frontrunner, right, like, right, way too early out the blocks. Who you got? Yeah, most impressive yeah give me Baby Yoda, dog, in Arizona, Kyler Murray. Um, I know he got kind of got away with the win last week. Um, you know, uh, in that game, they probably should have lost to Minnesota. But, man, I got a chance to see him. I was out in Nashville week one covering that Titans-Cardinals game. And everybody expected that to be a shootout. You got all those receivers, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green. 
and uh, only one team was shooting, and it was Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. And I was really impressed with Kyler. Like every time I watch him, he looks like a video game. And he's just, you know, scrambling around there. And I know we've kind of been mesmerized with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson over the last couple of years. But this is a really a year for Kyler to kind of put his name and try to lift it to those guys as far as the next generation uh, top quarterback. So I think that Kyler, to yeah. me, through two weeks is the guy I would point to and say, he's the man everybody is chasing. And I think this Cardinals team has actually Literally. been one of the biggest surprises so far. Yeah, if I still played Madden, I would not allow you to pick the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. That is cheap. <laughs> uh, hey, Cameron Wolf, we appreciate it, man. Keep up the great work on NFL Network, Game Day, and NFL Now. Uh, love what you're doing, man. So come appreciate back you fellas. again real soon, all right? Oh, yeah, we'll have to all do right, it bro. again. Thanks for the knowledge. All right, man. All right, bro. Be good. Thank you. It's absolute work to give a platform to people who have no idea what they're talking about as far as <laughs> my mental state. And, you know, my focus, my work habits, people that have not been around me, uh, they're not in my life. I don't have communication with them or not in the locker room. I mean, that's that's just that's just it's chicken. You know, it's it's so ridiculous that, that people give get a platform to do this. And it's the same type of people on the flip side of that. I think in this day and age of media. The, the things that get the most, it's all about clicks, right, and hits and views, and uh, one second counts as a view. So the, the actually opinions that are garnering the most attention are the most outlandish. So, so it's not even overreaction Monday or Tuesday anymore. It's overreaction every time a microphone's in your face, every time you have a single shot in the camera and you get to talk to camera, every time you're on a panel. It's who can say the most outlandish things uh, because that's going to give you the most hits. That's the media we live in. That's fine. But at the same time, I still, you know, I still have this show. I have my weekly stuff. I mean, most people, you know, don't use their platform to defend themselves. I don't think I need to defend myself from people who aren't worth spending time on. But I'm always going to give a reminder that listen to the source, you know, of some of these things. And, and, and be reminded that it's often the same people in the same tired rhetoric. I was just surprised after week one there was such a you know, uh, story out there. But to let, but what's crazy to me is to let one storyline, right, by a person who has no contact with me, has zero, uh, zero relationship, to that becomes some sort of like narrative that's out there that, that now I somehow don't care about ball because, uh, because of my Zen attitude in the off season. That's the that I was talking about last night. Tell us how you really feel. How you feel about that, man? Yeah, man. Well, okay. Who's he talking about? Who's he I talking think, about specifically? I, he I, said I think he's, he's talking about Finley, right? He's talking about Finley. He's talking about maybe he's talking about the CBS guy. Yeah, but he, I think he's talking about the industry. Huh? Yeah, no, okay, now, I got that, and I agree with them. I agree with them. I agree with, yeah. like, 85% of what he has too. to say about the state of media. Yeah. Uh, there's no question. Yeah. You know, you say you say, you say say a lot of dumb stuff. Now, yep. it, so, so the cycle is, say something stupid, and now we all got to respond to something stupid, even if we're responding right. to say that's stupid. That's content, too. <laughs> like, wait a minute. I'm not don't, doing that. Don't laugh when I say that. I don't I reject laugh when I the say whole this. premise. 
please don't laugh when I say this. Please don't laugh. All right. I wish I said more dumb stuff. Or at least I wish I wish That's I easy, I, I wish I, I wish I knew I would I know I told you to don't laugh. I knew that was if e- I were too easy. If I were if easy. I were a lesser person, too, I knew the, no, you you could, right no. That once I said don't laugh. No, you no, you can't take it. If I told you that okay. I'm giving you it on silver right. platter. Okay, okay. All I'm right. saying all right. All right. or at least right. I was I wish I were more conscious and intentional and deliberate in saying stupid ish. Okay, the stupid oh, ish that I say my, right is not you right is not avenue. intentional. And the reason I say that is I believe that my career would be so much more lucrative if I were weren't as reasonable and level headed and nuanced as I have been and I am, but it's the only way that I know how to be. It's the only way I know how to think. And the truth that he's absolutely right. It sickens me as a member of the media, the amount of people who get paid out the ass to say dumb stuff to and, and, and there's no accountability for it. In fact, it's the opposite of accountability. Their accounts are are huge and inflated their bank accounts Forget accountability. Their bank accounts are huge and inflated as a result of, of making a name for themselves trolling and then subsequently trending. It's like I, I look at them like damn like maybe if I'd have done more that maybe if I was that kind of guy, maybe I'd have done better for myself, but I wouldn't be being true to myself. Well, I know I'm, I know I'm preaching okay. to the choir on that because we try well, you are the preaching same to the choir, but type of commentary. My question though, my question is because I want to get back to Aaron Rodgers in a second because I do yeah I, I, unless I'm just unless I'm too I'm, I'm, I'm being too literal with what he's saying. I think he said an individual, but maybe he's talking about individuals. I think but he's he said talking somebody about who well, I think that's what I think right. I, I think I'm pretty sure but why not just say why not just say this dude he played with me. He played with me for six years. But we ain't cool like that. I mean, I haven't talked to him in years. I don't know. I, I think you should have called him out by name. But the other thing I was going to say, though, you know, we talk about this whole media dynamic and the place that we are, where we are. I can't even get mad at the people who do it. I can't get mad at the carnival barkers because if you come Why, into people, this people field respond to it? and you, well, people are responding to it, but it's Luke. Why is it lucrative? Somebody's paying it. Somebody yeah. is paying them to do it. So it really well, is not only paying about them, the people somebody the paying people. attention. They're paying attention but, and then they're getting paid forget to about do attention. it. Yeah, well, no, the yeah, attention is why they get paid. Really what, no, but Michael, yeah, the okay, attention is why they get paid. If, yeah. if nobody was paying attention to the BS that Rogers is talking about, then networks and, and, and media companies wouldn't pay them to make these outlandish statements well, again with no accountability. With, with not just accountability, no accountability and no, I guess, credibility in a lot of cases, you know, what's this based on? Like, but I guess if you go in, there's a disclaimer. If you got the disclaimer and you say, look, I don't know anybody. I don't have any sources. I haven't talked to anybody. I'm just going exactly. to tell you what I think. That's exactly right. All right. I, I, I guess if that's what you're going to do and people are listening to it, uh, back to our Mo Better Blues comparison. You know, if, if that's what the people like, give the people what they want if that's what they like. I'm just hopeful. Oh, please. I'm just hopeful 
that that is a segment of, of what constitutes media today and not the entirety of it. Because if it's the entirety of it, brother, um, I won't see you much longer. If that's what it, if that's I what it's, it's going to be. I, I don't know if I'm, it's I'm necessary. I mean, look, we, we we've done all I'm right. And, and listen, I hope I hope this doesn't come off as a, somebody in a glass house throwing bricks. But I just know how I've always tried to approach the job, and it's never been, you know, for shock. It's never been for attention. It's never been for likes or retweets or clickbait. I'm just speaking my heart, and I hold myself accountable. You know, like I'm always thinking about like the things I say. Like, is it fair? You know, and I and, and right. sometimes I'm either too nuanced or too apologetic. If I'm unfair, I may not be the most entertaining. I may not be the most enlightened, informed, or insightful. But if nothing else, I'm always fair. And if I mess up, I say I mess up. But I, I just that's just that's just missing from media in general. We could talk more about this tomorrow, Michael. Before we go, though, I gotta stop this here. Before we go, we would be remiss. Oh, go ahead and do that. If thing. we did not go ahead and do that thing. Acknowledge yes. the national holiday that this is, and 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 pay homage to the great elements, the earth, wind and fire. Michael, it's five o'clock. So technically it's almost the 21st night of September. I know you remember. So on the way out, uh, give me your favorite. I'm not gonna ask you to give me your favorite earth, wind and fire song of all time. That's probably impossible. Oh, and if I know you, Michael, oh, it okay. probably changes depending on the mood you're in. So right now, oh. today, lately, what is your favorite earth, wind and fire jam or ballad as the case may be just lately? You know what? You know what? You know what I've been getting down to lately. <laughs> I, and you know, yeah. if I can sing, man, if I can sing, I would be dangerous. Be ever wonderful. You ain't got to go for it. Be ever wonderful is the jam. <laughs> That's my jam. Oh man! <laughs> you know what mine is lately? Is, you know what mine is lately? What is it? When I get in the car, I've been put, bro. I've been putting on Sun Goddess. I've been putting on sun, oh. jamming the sun goddess with Earth, Wind, and Fire, Ramsey Lewis. Bop, yeah. Bop, well, oh yeah. Hey. That's that's been me lately, though. That's been that's been my joy hey. lately. But I mean, but devotion. Keep your head to the sky. You can't go wrong. All of them. keep your head to the sky. Love ballad, love holiday, all that. Love holiday. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. You, you you go on and on with that. Man, like this song is crazy to hear the backstory. I always Damn love hearing I the love. backstory. I always talk about more. I can talk about Maurice White all day long. Maurice White, Verdine, uh, Philip, all, the whole crew. Um, Al McKay, uh, great writer. Um, but this story, when they came up with this song, they, it had no meaning. You know, they're, they're deep brothers and all that, but it had no meaning. What, September? They, they just picked the, the 21st. 21st they picked the 21st because, yeah. it's, because it sounded good. So they went down yeah. every day. They were like, fourth night, nah. Do you remember the fifth? Yeah. No, sixth. And then they got the 21. And they said, that's you it. The 21st that's the, the real cover. story. Yeah. yeah. That's the story. So it, it just what does good. it mean? It sounds good. And you know what? That's good enough for me. Well, plus, and the third, the third of September was already taken. Because that was the day that my daddy died. You know, because Papa was a Rolling Stone, so they couldn't go third or something. Papa was a Rolling Stone. You know. Wherever he laid his hat was his home. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. 
it probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.